In a dream that came to me Oh, I saw a face and I knew right then Hey everyone, it's Jonathan, and welcome back to Christmas in July. Today we're talking about a movie that is iconic to a few people who saw it as children in the 90s, and one that is basically forgotten by everyone else. The Nutcracker Prince. This is a movie that Jenna pitched to me ages ago as an idea for a podcast, so when I decided to do a full month-long dive into a whole bunch of different versions of The Nutcracker, this is one of the first ones I knew I'd have to do. I don't know that I had ever heard of this movie before you mentioned it. Was this another movie that you grew up with? Yes. Yes, it was. Um, <laughs> I remember it playing on the Disney channel, I believe at the time. Okay. Yeah. So you didn't have this as a VHS. You just watched it on TV. I think we recorded it off TV. Oh, um, okay. Yeah. But I grew up with this. Um, Nutcracker in general was a very important story to me growing up, like, because I was also in the ballet quite a few times. Oh, okay. Yeah, I mean, just a local production. Well, still, that's yeah, that's still <laughs> interesting. It's still oh, something cool you. to be involved with. Yeah, so I, I was young at the time, so I was the mouse first year. <laughs> and then the second year, um, I was a horse soldier. So I, I had to, like, dance with, like, a horse hung on me. It was awkward, but it was fun. Uh-huh. Um, and then a year after that, I was supposed to be a mouse again, except I was going to be kind of like the leader of the kids, kid mice, but they ended up having to cancel the production because not enough ballerinas auditioned. Mm. But anyway, yeah, so I have a history of this production uh, with the story. Uh, and this was the the movie I grew up with that I preferred the most because I, I watched I watched a few versions, but mostly most of the other versions I knew about were like actually ballet versions. Mm-hmm. And so I enjoyed seeing it as like an actual story and it still had ballet in it, which now as an adult, I don't know if I like the ballet in it, particularly the, uh, sorry, jumping into it, particularly the rotoscoping really uh, disagrees with the character designs when they're dancing. So it's, it's very I, I wondered if that was, I know which part you're talking about. Cause I thought yeah. to myself, is that rotoscoping this? Like it, it doesn't look bad, but it was, Kind of strange, but also they changed animation styles part for part of it. So it was like, man, eh, whatever. <laughs> <laughs> well, I mean, I, I think, you know, you're talking about the, the short, the story inside. Yeah. Yeah. But even like outside of the story portion, the character designs have huge eyes for some reason. Yeah, I noticed it was like they were trying yeah. to be Disney, but it was bigger than Disney even. Yeah, it was. It's a very strange style. The proportions of the features are not consistent especially at some points you have like really short arms i thought like i didn't study every frame but i i felt at points i was like this doesn't really feel like it's on model yeah there are quite a few off model portions and then some some parts you have like really good animation like Mm -hmm. disney quality kind of animation and then but most of it is like really subpar animation so it's a very interesting film when it's beautiful i I think it's beautiful, but when it's not, it struggles, it flounders. Mm-hmm. So what did you think? I thought it was fine. <laughs> <laughs> it wasn't bad. It wasn't good. It was just fine. Yeah. Another, like the last one we did similarly of the princess and the goblin. I think I feel about the same. It's not something that I would probably go back to, but I'm glad I watched it. Well, the interesting thing about this one is, uh, have you watched any other Nutcrackers yet? I've watched some shorts. Well, I've watched the Disney one. And which uh. is, uh, even for someone who's not very familiar with the Nutcracker, I could tell that the live action Disney one was not the story at all. Wait, watch the live action Disney one? Which one's that? 2018, I believe, Nutcracker in the Four Realms. Oh my gosh, I repressed that. <laughs> I repressed that so hard. I, I have the same thing kind of with that film where I like a lot of portions of it but most of it I have problems. This yeah. one is a little bit of the opposite where uh, I like most of it and little parts of the problem. Yeah. Yeah. No, I haven't watched a whole lot of like straight 
faithful adaptations, which I hopefully will before the end of at least the mini series I'm doing for this year. I have some uh, in mind that I'm probably going to do. This is like the earliest one that we're doing, other than the couple of Disney ones I did last year that will be mm. folded into the every version ever series. So I have not yet read the book or seen a full straight Nutcracker ballet, which I'm hoping to do before I actually get into more versions. I'm I have a book in my Amazon shopping cart. And I, I didn't realize good... I was choosing your first introduction to like a faithful <laughs> nutcracker. Um, yeah. <laughs> but in that case, you're, you're not going to, you're, you're going to miss some of the, uh, what, what should I say? Specialties of this version. Um, Cause in particular the ballet. So I don't know if you know the history of the nutcracker story at all. I know a little bit more now because yesterday I was mm. looking into the story more and I realized that a lot of what I thought they had made up for this movie actually came from the book. I was like, yeah, okay, yeah. well, that's interesting. I didn't realize that this was. <laughs> this yeah. might be, I haven't seen every Nutcracker version, so keep in mind, uh, but this might be the most faithful adaptation of the book. I kind of wondered after I started yeah. researching, I was like, okay, there's more to this book than I thought there was. Because like I've seen parts of the ballet but yeah. it sounded like a lot of the stuff from the ballet was made up for the ballet. Yes. Didn't come from the book. Yeah. <laughs> so that was interesting. Yeah. And that, well, the, so what kind of happened with this, the book itself is that the book was written. And if I'm not mistaken by ETA Hoffman. Yeah. And then, then it was a, adapted by somebody else. Um, Alexandra Dumas, I think. I'll check the Wikipedia page. Yeah. Thank you. Oh, yeah. At, like, Three Musketeers guy, it is. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. I'm not wrong. Oof. Um, that would have been embarrassing. But, all right. So, he adapted it into, like, a shorter form story, I believe. And the ballet is based off his adaptation. Okay. Um, So, it's kind of, like, a little bit of a game of telephone, in a sense. That's um, kind of what I was feeling. Because, of the, like, yeah. every version changed it a bit until you get to what is the standard ballet version whereas the original book had some weird stuff the ballet itself also changed over time too mm -hmm. as it transported around the world yeah but yeah when you watch the ballet and ha having been in it myself of course i could be biased because when i was in it i was always in the first act and i didn't care for the second act at all but i always felt the second act was really really weak because it's basically nothing happens it's just a bunch of it's kind of more of a celebration that they won, right? Like, uh, mm -hmm. it's more, it's supposed to be more of a spectacular kind of, it's not, there's no story. And unfortunately, that just, it, when you're story driven like I am, that just makes me, it makes you bored, you know? <laughs> like, well, ugh, nothing's happening. <laughs> but, you know, that's kind of how ballets were at the time. Ballets weren't really, they were more about the spectacle of something than like the story. Mm -hmm. so it makes sense from a ballet perspective however the story as we know it everybody knows it from the ballet which means when people have tried to adapt the nutcracker to like a movie i i think it it, it kind of has an alice problem in a way doesn't it and that it doesn't really have a story <laughs> that um, i that i didn't think of that but you're right yeah, yeah at least in terms of the ballet version like it has yeah. a story in the first part and then it just abruptly stops yeah so that said to be honest the original book is also it's been a while since i've read it uh, so disclaimer but it has more of a story than what the ballet turned it into but it's also not kind of like a story as we would think of it the ultimate resolution is still the same that marie ends up with the nutcracker and you know happily ever after and I think they still go to the land of sweet. So that wasn't like something the ballet completely made up, but there's still like, there's still no art overarching story at the end. I believe it's more about Marie getting, you know, like she's not believed is more of the point. Cause obviously the adults are like, she's ill. Though <laughs> 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 so that, that said the book also like what transpires in act one of the ballet in the book, it transpires over quite a long time. It's not just one night. Okay. Which uh, in this film, they do refer to in a sense, because they have the battle kind of take place over the 
uh, span of two days. But anyway, sorry, I'm getting off track. My point is, so as a kid, I always, I didn't, hadn't read the book as a kid, but I always found this movie interesting because in my point of view as a kid that only had the ballet version, it filled in a lot of like story holes, like loopholes that I didn't, that the ballet didn't fill for me. So I really enjoyed it mm-hmm. as well as a lot of like, uh, personally, I like a lot of the concepts they they have. And then in particular, I really, really love that when they do go to the, I guess in this, it's the land of toys. Um, when they do go there, it's not just a celebratory showboat. Something happens, mm-hmm. you know, so I really enjoy that. And I also kind of enjoy, there's a little, you know, a little bit of, uh, they bring more of like Marie dealing with growing up, which is kind of also a theme in the original book. Like, for instance, the last doll is mentioned. Mm-hmm. So it's, they, they kind of expanded on that. And I, I love, I absolutely love when she was like, well, I want to grow old. And they all start dying. <laughs> <laughs> I love that so much. It's traumatizing. It's brilliant. But I also love that because it makes her face the, the Mouse King on her own. Mm-hmm. Um, and that's actually, I think, some of the best animation in the movie is when he's like trying to go after her. The thing that stood out to me in that scene was his noises, his like death yeah. rattle. Yeah, he's like, <laughs> it's like this. Is, this could traumatize some children. It traumatized <laughs> me, but in a good way. I really loved it. Um, he, he's so much scarier in that scene than he is in the beginning. Uh-huh. Um, which you know, in the beginning, he's really a big choke. In fact, he's rather annoying. Well, the, the first scene when because they're in a whole different animation style it seems like one of those yeah. 60s cartoons so everything is more goofy yeah so you don't true. really get a sense that he's dangerous he's just this wannabe tyrant i guess yeah though even in like the first and second battles he comes more as a like a blowhard than actually like he's still mm-hmm. he's dangerous but he's not like scary you yeah know what i mean yeah but in the last scene when he comes out and he's coming after marie Sorry, in the movie. In this movie, it's Clara. That's the one thing I don't like about this movie is that they they name her Clara, and I'll explain that in a bit. But um, I I love that, you know, he's goofy, and then this scene, he's, like, terrifying, and he's just making these, you know, and... Yeah, the death rattle. He's, like, he's been stabbed, he's bleeding, he's dying. He's more like, it almost feels like he's a zombie, right? It's kind of terrifying, because he's not even, like, talking to her. He's just... yeah. 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 And I really enjoy that it's one on one in a sense. Because that's, sorry, I'm just rambling all over the place. Because in the book in itself, I really enjoy that um, Marie has a little bit of agency in the book because you don't see that a lot in older children's media of young female characters having some agency. Mm-hmm. So, you know, she defeats the mouse game by throwing her slipper. And in the ballet, it kind of loses power, I think, because. She's the same size as them, and they can't, you know, like, I don't think most people even notice that she throws the slippers, to be honest. I think they just think, like, the, the Nutcracker defeats him. So the slipper thing happens in the ballet, too? Yes, it does. Okay. But it's not very powerful in the ballet, because I don't think most people really notice it's going on. Well, I can imagine it wouldn't, because in this, she's a human size, and they're, like, mouse and toy size. Yeah, so her throwing the slipper is way more um, powerful. Yeah, you would say. So it, I enjoy that she's given some agency, and then this movie goes a little step farther and giving her even more agency at the end. Mm-hmm. And I kind of like how it ends, where she's just like in a mist, and you know, like, wow, that's a horrible nightmare. <laughs> and I, I guess I kind of like, I don't know, how did you feel about the ending where she runs to her uncle Drosselmeyer's shop and? He's there. I really wasn't sure what to make of a lot of what happened, I guess. <laughs> because I by the end I wasn't sure if she had just been having a dream this whole time. Yeah. <laughs> they implied that it actually happened, but I was still kind of confused. And it's one of those things where it's not that big of a deal because like fairy tale logic, I'll just go with it. Yeah. But I I still wasn't sure if they were specifically meaning for it to have been a dream or not. 
I would have kind of looked, to be honest, I kind of would have liked a bit more ambiguity with that because I like, I like ambiguity in my fairy stories sometimes. Um, mm-hmm. But he gives, Hans gives this little like smirk. Like, I, and I think it's because he's supposed to know what she's thinking because it was real. It did happen. But he, it comes across as like predatory and stuff. <laughs> um, but anyway, so I, I think because of that knowing smirk, yes, it did. It was supposed to have happened. Yeah, I kind of figured, but it was still ambiguous enough that I questioned. Yeah, and I enjoy the ambiguity. I don't know, maybe this movie is what started me off on like enjoying ambiguous things like that. <laughs> um, <laughs> so maybe I could blame this movie. Anyway, uh, before I forget, so the one problem I have with this film is in the book, her name is Marie, and Clara is her last doll. That's the name of her last doll. And this, um, but in the ballet, I think Clara is a, a lot of people think it's a more special, prettier name. Okay. So a lot of ballet versions would go with Clara. And this film, even though it's mostly based off the book, they decided to go with the most popular ballet version, Clara, and that the doll would be Marie. And this is Marie Erasure, and I don't like it. Um, <laughs> the, you know, I, it might, I might be biased because my middle name is Marie. But, um, you know, leave Marie alone. You know, let her have... <laughs> Clara is the doll, everybody. Please. <laughs> and, uh, yeah. <laughs> what do, you, do you prefer a name? I guess I never really thought about it. I have noticed that the name is not consistent, but it tends to either be Clara or Marie, and I didn't know why. Yeah, so that, that's why. Because at some point, someone thought Clara sounded better. And uh, it just kind of continued from there. The the ballet is just this enormous game of telephone. Yeah, yeah. I think I've probably just always thought of her as Clara without even really knowing, because I think most of the ones that I've seen, she has been Clara. Yeah. But I, I do know that there are other ones that I've either seen or read about or seen parts of where it was Marie, so... I knew it was not consistent, and there was probably a reason, but I didn't know the reason. Yeah, so that's the reason. Now you know. Um, <laughs> it's always funny that my favorite movie adaptations of st- of books like this like always portray me on some major thing. Um, <laughs> <laughs> like the Return to Oz, they use the ruby slippers instead of silver. You know. Yeah, yeah. But I, I'll forgive it. The rest of it's uh, decent, in my opinion. Mm-hmm. Um. If anything, I feel like the movie kind of would have been... I, I, I feel like this is a problem with a lot of Nutcracker movies in general, is that I feel like they rely a little bit too much on the ballet. Especially, like, I'm going to say it wrong, Trafalsky's score. Tchaikovsky? Yeah. It's a famous score. You know, it's beautiful. But when it's, like, all of your music, I feel like his music works for dance. Mm-hmm. I don't know if it works as a film score. Do you know what I mean? probably but i think the the thing that i'm most familiar with is his score so mm. like the ones that i've been watching recently or the like watching some clips it seems weird when they don't have it <laughs> i mean i'm not saying don't have it at all i'm just saying yeah yeah maybe not make it the basis i don't know at least if i was doing a nutcracker what i would do is probably choose a few like pieces of it and build off of that like let it inspire a new score and not just like do it score like note by note in particular mm-hmm. like the one thing i'm thinking of when she's running to that at the end when she's running to the uncle drossmeyer shop and it, you know it's like really <laughs> i i understand they chose that because it's dramatic but it's really overpowering mm-hmm. and I, I don't know if I'd say it fits what's her what's going on with her running. I mean, you could you could argue it does, but I don't think it does. So I I feel like I feel like sometimes you set when you work on something that everybody is familiar with, but you don't do anything your own style, you run the risk of being forgotten yourself. If that makes sense, um, and yeah, being yeah. limited by what's been done before. For instance, technically, this version has like its own song. 
and nobody knows it because it's just done to one of Travosky's songs. I thought that you was know? so weird. <laughs> if you could hear me now. Um, like, yeah, that's like the only I, song in the whole thing, isn't it? It worked like with when they took Tchaikovsky's score for Sleeping Beauty. I, it worked better when they gave that one words, but the Disney version that have added words now seems to have overtaken Tchaikovsky's score yeah. as the most popular one, and that did not happen with this. It just felt weird in this version. <laughs> I, I think another thing is, to be honest, the Sleeping Beauty score is better than the Nutcracker score. I don't know if you know the backstory of this score at all. I know a little bit. I know, you know that it was not popular. Know what? About the bet. No. Travalsky, again, sorry, I'm probably I'm butchering his name, but he was. <laughs> you um, can think of it this way like chai as in chai tea, cow chai as tea, in the, the animal. Cow. <laughs> chai cowski, like the, the, the sport. Yeah, chai cowski. <laughs> Even though it's spelled completely different. <laughs> All right, thank you. That helps. You think I would know it being a. A casual Nutcracker fan, but I'm a filthy casual and I don't know anything. <laughs> um, Ty Kowski, he had a bet. Um, somebody bet him that he couldn't make a score with just ascending and descending notes. And he's like, screw you. Yes, I can. And that's the <laughs> Nutcracker score. So if you listen to it, and when, once I found this out and I was like, wow, I really can't unhear this now. You know, every note connects to each other, like up or down. Okay. I'm trying to think of it, but yeah. If you can hear me now, if I can only get through. It all connects. So it's very... It's a little bit boring. <laughs> um, I mean, that said, it's brilliant for like the limitation it was with the bed. Uh-huh. Yeah. It's very, it's well done. But in terms of like his overall catalog of music, it's not his best because of that limitation. And I guess that's part of why I would argue Nutcracker films are limited when they stick to the score. Because while, yes, it's probably like the best known part of the Nutcracker story in general is the score, compared to like Sleeping Beauty, it's um, not very good. I feel like Sleeping Beauty translated better because it was a better score, but I don't know. You know, obviously at some point it's subjective opinion. Probably. Like I, I I think I get what you're saying. Yeah. I think there are a lot of parts of the Nutcracker that I do love and I would say are among his best, but not the entire thing. Cause I do think a lot of it is kind of boring, kind of forgettable, but so, there is a lot of it that is like iconic and amazing. So it is a limitation in that regard. I guess if, like, not that I would want to make a version of for myself, but if I were, I probably would do the thing where you just pick out a few favorites and use those and not try and do the whole thing. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I that's what I would do. You know, I, I'd maybe, like, let my composer be inspired by yeah. the original score. Kind of like, you know, like, sampling from it, in a sense. Yeah, um, yeah. And just be like, please do your own thing. I kind of want the same vibe. You could take parts of it. It needs to have its own individuality as well. Is notice there's never been a Nutcracker movie that has had its own score <laughs> that's popular. You know, obviously because mm-hmm. it's all it's all the same. Um, well, not that I've seen a lot of Nutcracker yet. Yeah. But I have noticed that most of the time they try and do the ballet, and oh. before before I started researching. I think I just assumed that everything came from the ballet. Like I knew there was a book, but I thought that the ballet, I I wasn't thinking of it in terms of the ballet was an adaptation of the book. And I didn't realize how weird the book was. (laughs) Kind of like how Peter Pan was was play first and a book later, I think. Yeah. Something like that. Like I hadn't really given it much thought. So it was a little bit mind blowing when I realized, wait a minute, this whole ballet is based on this book and the ballet did not take the book faithfully enough for me to actually know what the book is about. Yeah, <laughs> Cause watching yeah. this version, there was so much in it that I was like, well, they just really did their own thing. Didn't they? And then I yeah. look into it and I was like, Oh, this is actually from the book. <laughs> 
Yeah, in particular, <laughs> the whole thing with Princess Burly Pad. Yes, that, that the, whole scene. The, I was like, the they, just, they just made this up. No, that nope, came from nope. the book. <laughs> yeah. As, this might be the only version that faithfully adapts that story. I'm um, I'm wondering. I know, at least, I, yeah. I I will obviously find more as I'm going. I know yeah. there's one or two others that I I recognize the name Perlopat. So she's in yeah. other versions, but well, what, in particular, I am thinking of the Japanese Nutcracker Fantasy. I believe they have Princess Perlopat. Okay. Um, but it's done a little differently. If you watch that one, I'd be interested in talking about it with you because I also really like that one. Okay. Um, but uh. That one still has problems. <laughs> Every Nutcracker has problems. Um, that, I, I was talking to Rachel Wagner about doing yeah. Nutcracker versions, and she was like, there just isn't that many good ones. There's, like, no good full adaptations. Like, she's she's watched enough that she was like, you're you're going to have a chore on your hands getting through all these. <laughs> uh, I think they're, I think they'd be kind of interesting. But, yeah, you're, you're going to have... It, I, it's interesting for me. Like, I don't care if they're bad. Like... Yeah. <laughs> In some ways, I kind of like it when a lot of them are bad because I think it makes for a more interesting conversation. So, like, I don't care if I if if my entire first season or whatever you want to call it of doing versions of the Nutcracker turns out to be terrible versions, which it's not because I don't think this one is terrible. If it all turned out to be terrible, I wouldn't care because it still is an interesting conversation and it's interesting for me to see how many ways people have tried to do things. Yeah, yeah, I, I think that is also interesting, and in particular with the Nutcracker, because even though there's a book, the book story isn't fantastic either. You could say it's still the ballet like simplified it, but anyway, what I'm saying is even just going back to the book itself doesn't give you like the sense of a story as it would as you would want nowadays. Mm-hmm. Um, which is why I feel that they this movie added the whole bit with her. I want to grow up and see the world and which I don't know why you would see this toy land and be like, yeah, I want to go back out to my world. (laughs) I guess the idea of her also wanting to be a ballerina is part of why she wants to go back. Yeah. Um, Which is kind of a weird take, I think, because I don't think at the time period this takes place that that would have been a viable career for her social status, but it is what it is. Oh, by the way, um, her kitten, Pavlova, it was a famous Russian ballerina. I wondered about that because, well, when I, when she first called it Pavlova, I was like, that's kind of weird that she would name a cat after dessert. And then I started thinking, well, I guess we do that too. Like we name animals like Muffin and stuff. <laughs> so then I was wondering, like, I wonder where the name Pavlova came from. So I started looking it up and it said it was an, it was an Australian or New Zealand dessert that was named after a russian ballerina yeah so i was like oh okay well that makes sense <laughs> i actually because i was in ballet i knew about the ballerina before i knew about the dessert um, okay i didn't i knew about i knew like i've never even tried pavlova i just know what it is because i've watched people make it online but that was the first thing that came to my mind i was like oh a russian ballerina so perfect so I finally, like, I don't think she was even born at the time this movie would have taken place. <laughs> um, so when, when I forget when Pavlova was a thing, but she was much later. She was not a thing at this time, at point in time at all. Probably so not. There wouldn't have been a dessert. There wouldn't have been no. a ballerina. So the kitten's name is Pavlova for no reason at all. <laughs> Well, if it was somebody's last name, maybe the, they named the kitten after some, maybe like she, they had an Uncle Pavlova or something. Yeah. <laughs> They're just like, who you selling this kitten? What's your name? And he's like, Andrea Pavlova. They're like, we'll name it Pavlova. <laughs> you know, like, um, but to us modern day viewers, it is supposed to be a reference to the ballads. Yeah. And in general, I think this, I don't know, I just, I would like to see more nutcrackers that aren't focused so much on the ballet like you could have taken the ballet out of this version and lose absolutely nothing Mm -hmm. for most of the cast i don't know who they are they're pretty forgettable but there was a few standout names i was like what (laughs) like Kiefer sutherland as prince hans slash the nutcracker and megan Mm -hmm. follows as clara 
which I don't know if you know who that is, but she played Anne of Green Gables in like the most iconic Anne of Green Gables version yeah. that I watched so yeah. many times growing up. <laughs> yeah, I've seen that version too. And then Phyllis Diller as the Mouse Queen. <laughs> Phyllis Diller was doing anything at the time. She <laughs> remember she did Alex through the Looking Glass just a few years before this. I think Phyllis Diller is one of those actresses who would just do whatever like yeah, you just give her script, her yeah i'll do it yeah i'll do it yeah yeah she didn't even read it but she get to the recording studio she read it like oh this is awful good thing i'm getting paid money for this <laughs> and... yeah yeah but the other one that stood out was peter o'toole as pantaloon which i don't know if there's a character named pantaloon in the book but i was like this is a weird character i honestly don't remember if there was the funny thing about Pantaloon in this film is that he has the best animation consistently out of everybody. It's really weird. Now that you're mentioning that, I think you're right. Yeah, if you watch this film and just watch Pantaloon, you're like, wow, this is Disney quality animation. And he looks better than everybody else that is with him like at all times. Um, it's really, really weird. I, I wonder if they did what disney usually does or did whack when they did 2d films where they give each character to a different animator and maybe whoever got pantaloon was just a really good animator i guess um it's unfortunate that probably clara would have done better mm, yeah considering she's the lead uh <laughs> but you know at least he's fun to watch oh speaking of peter o'toole oh wow uh weird connection with phantasmagoria Tiziana said that she wanted Peter O'Toole to play Lewis Carroll in Phantasmagoria. <laughs> so it's very coincidental connection here. <laughs> yeah. But yeah, he does a good job. All the voice casts, actually, they, they do pretty good jobs. Uh, I, I don't care for the Mouse King. I find him annoying, but I think that's the point. He's supposed to be yeah. annoying. I didn't write his name down, but he was some famous Canadian comedian. And then, um, who else was annoying? <laughs> Um, just the mice in general i thought were the annoying. mice in general were annoying um marie the doll was annoying what marie! was with her like she's like supposed to be some sort of southern bell yeah it's like southern bells didn't exist yet get out <laughs> especially in the 1800s russia or germany uh, or wherever it was germany. supposed to be yeah this is germany so it's like yeah get out of here what's <laughs> why i heard her start talking i was like why is she a southern belle <laughs> <laughs> wouldn't it make more sense for her just to be french like i don't understand it probably would have yes yeah like she could have been at all from france and that would have made so much more sense but mm -hmm. they didn't do that and i don't know why maybe she was imported from america <laughs> <laughs> i guess uh <laughs> I don't know. Yeah. I don't need to be thinking up reasons for things. Yeah. They just are. <laughs> you ever seen that comic meme where it's the guy with his arms crossed and then the second panel has him throwing his hands up going, I guess. That's how I feel <laughs> about that. It's like... <laughs> <laughs> uh, and she's just like, she's just annoying in general. But it doesn't feel to be much point in her character. She is in the book, and Trudy is in the book too. I don't remember Pantaloon if he's in the book. I don't think he's given such a big role, maybe. Mm -hmm. I do enjoy that they come up with a reason for why they have to go to the land of dolls. Yeah. Um, so that's really good because in the ballet, especially, there's no reason for them to go there. They're just like, let's go there. <laughs> so at least Pantaloon serves that purpose. Oh, I did want to say. I really love that they use the castle so much. The mechanical the castle? Yeah, the mechanical, mechanical castle. I don't remember how they get there in the book. But um, in the book, I know Drosselmeyer does make this mechanical castle. And as a kid, I always wanted to go in one of those kind of things and like look at things up close. So like the idea of being able to go into the castle, I loved that as a kid. And then mm -hmm. especially like when, she's, when Clara's shrinking and she's like trying to get all the, the other toys up. And it's, it feels so Alice to me. I guess it does, kind of. I didn't yeah. think of it in terms of that, but yeah. Yeah, and I especially love when Marie's being a, a little fusspot and Clara's <laughs> like, I'm shrieking, Marie. <laughs> you know, like, that also feels very Alice to me. 
having to argue with somebody to do something. Um, I don't, I really like that scene. I also like the swans, them taking off. Yeah. Because I also had, I had a little toy castle as a kid that had like swans in it and a river just like that. Mm. So I guess that appealed to me, especially as a kid, but that that's very coincidental. <laughs> it was not based off his movie or anything. I, I was just going to say, I wonder if it was, but I guess swans, they're kind swans of generic and they're kind of like, I mean, they're not like always associated with royalty, but you frequently will see swans near castles in certain imagery. Well, sort of like, like peacocks. England, yeah, in England, swans are the, the majesty's animal, I think. Oh, that's true. Yeah, so they are associated with royalty. Yeah, okay. Yeah. Yeah, so like, uh, that's not an unusual connection, but uh, it's very coincidental to me as a kid that I had a toy that was very similar to that. Mm-hmm. By the way, I also like that they go up into the Christmas tree because that was also something I loved to do as a kid. As a kid, I loved to play with the ornaments. <laughs> and I I wanted to be in the Christmas tree with the ornaments. I just felt like that was like a fantastic place to be. And I don't know why it just was. So I, I always enjoyed when movies do that. Like uh, the other thing I can think of is I have you ever seen the Pluto cartoon with Chip and Dale yes. in the Christmas tree? Yeah, yeah, that was another one I really liked. The 2009 Nutcracker, I think, also goes in the Christmas tree. So basically, if you go in a Christmas tree, you get a 10 out of 10 for me. Um, <laughs> one thing that I thought was weird of this movie was when they're like flying into the land of dolls. They say that it's every Christmas tree we've ever had, <laughs> like down below. And I was like, yeah. so is the land of dolls like the Christmas tree afterlife? <laughs> 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 yeah, it's a bit weird. <laughs> like how can and how can she recognize them from so yeah. far too? Yeah, I don't know. I just thought that was kind of hilarious. But it yeah. does it is kind of like kid logic. Like, oh yeah, I guess well that's where a Christmas tree goes. When when we get rid of it, it's gotta go somewhere. Why not? Go to the Christmas dolls? tree forest. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. But it's yeah, it's very child logic it's very dream logic so i did you know like i don't mind it too much it, it is not yeah. nonsensical but no i just it's not something i minded i just thought it was funny that they mentioned that yeah. i was like oh was that the christmas tree afterlife <laughs> yeah that's interesting now that i think about it because it, you know and also with her later like being like no i want to grow up i guess the land of dolls is more symbolic of like clara's mind her spirit, like her her eternal system, mm-hmm. like the forest of Christmas trees is more like memories, right? Like she remembers these Christmas trees. Yeah, probably. So it's I don't know. It's it, it's interesting. I I like that they kind of make Act Two more about Clara. I have I don't have words today, but I, I hope you know. What I mean, <laughs> <laughs> I think I was thinking of it more in terms of something along the lines of Neverland. Like not wanting to grow up. Yeah, it's her own Neverland, and I yeah. I really like it. I've always enjoyed that theme in children's literature. Mm-hmm. And Peter Pan was not the first to do it. Nutcracker did have themes to this, and it was an earlier book. Mm-hmm. You kind of you kind of also have the I don't believe in fairies kind of part, right? Where it's like, yeah, I want to grow up, and they'll die. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> and then they stay dead, like they should. <laughs> But no, it, it is very symbolic of childhood because, you know, like our when we're children, our toys are alive, right? Because it's what we decide, you know, like they live off us. And then when you're adult, you, like you realize they're not that as magical on their own like you thought they were. Mm. So, and I, I really enjoy, I really enjoy that. I kind of wish there was a bit more resolution on that in a sense, because I do, like, for instance, part of the reason why I like Alice is because at the end of Alice, Lewis Carroll's like, well, Alice is going to grow up, but she's going to, like, carry her childhood with her and share it with other children. Mm-hmm. Um, and I don't know, I always found that a very comforting message. Yeah. So as an Alice fan, I would have liked a little bit more, of, you know, maybe some more hint of that, which you don't get. But then again, you get ambiguity, which is also good, so... This movie makes me feel a lot of things. I don't. <laughs> <laughs> that tends to happen with things you grew up with. Yeah. I like it. Don't get me wrong, but I do think it's flawed. Um, mm-hmm. And while I kind of like the ending, I also kind of don't. But I don't know if I would change it. 
Because on the other hand, you don't, maybe I don't want it. Maybe I like that it ends short, you know, like I don't want it to go on and on. Mm -hmm. It did seem a bit abrupt. Like I was expecting a little bit more to happen and then it was over. Yeah. A little bit more resolution. I guess dreams are kind of like that, aren't they? Yeah. And sometimes you don't get resolution for your dreams. Yeah. I would say most of the time. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) One thing we haven't really talked much about is something that I thought was interesting, even though I don't know how much people would have even paid attention. The fact that it it switches animation styles when he's telling her the story of how the Nutcracker came to be. Mm. Like, did you even, when you were a kid, did that even stand out to you as a thing? Like, did you notice? I, I noticed, definitely. I mean, it's very obvious. Honestly, though, like, when I think of this movie, like, oh, the Nutcracker Prince, like, I don't even, I don't remember that part mm-hmm. until, like, I really, like, actually think about the movie. I more think about, like, the, the battle or when she goes to the Land of Dolls mm-hmm. or the castle. Like, it, it's, it's not a highlight, basically. I kind of repress it. It doesn't look very nice. It, it is, I think it is supposed to be, like, specifically the style of, like, the 60s cheap animation. And I oh. wondered, part, well, when it first happened, I was like, I guess this is, maybe it's budgetary. Like, it would be much cheaper to animate in this style. And it went on for long enough that I was thinking that it probably was maybe both stylistic in the fact that he's telling the story, so they want to visually show that he's telling the story, yeah. but also budgetary. However, towards the end of it, when they started chomping the crack-a-tooth nut and breaking all their teeth, I was like, this would have been horrifying if they had tried to do this in a Disney style. Yeah. <laughs> I was like, maybe that's why I, they chose this minimalistic cartoon version. <laughs> yeah, I think they did that purposely for that. It, yeah. it would have been really, yeah, <laughs> difficult. Also, when Perlopat changes. Oh, yeah, Perlopat, too. Yeah, like, the way she changes and she's, <laughs> the noises she's making. Like, this could have been really disturbing if they had tried to do all of this stuff in their faux Disney style that they were doing for most of the rest of the film. Yeah, so they were pretty right, I think. Yeah. I do think they might linger on it a little too long, for my taste. It went on for a while. Like, I I thought it was going to be, like, a quick thing, and it was a significant chunk of the movie. Yeah. I mean, I can't think... If they could shorten it, I guess there's like a few things where they really didn't need to have anything. Like you didn't need to see the multiple mouse traps, I guess. Um, <laughs> I, I always got the opinion that they liked that sequence. I'm I'm sure they did. I think it probably yeah. was given to people who wanted to make something like an old style of cartoon because there was a lot yeah. in it that was like something you would expect to see in like a '60s Looney Tunes cartoon. Like all the stuff with the mice and the queen being ridiculous and making this weird cake. It just seemed just very 60s cartoon-esque. I don't know. Yeah. Well, it's funny because Phyllis Diller is also very associated with the 60s and that's the Mm. part she's in. Yeah. And that's another reason why I figured that they put it in this old style was because they like literally smash her to death. (laughs) Yeah. That's also. (laughs) It's funny. It is funny because, like, a, a lot of old Tilda's literature uh, it can get pretty violent. Yeah. Um, they were very faithful, but yet they were able to portray that violence in a very cartoony way that worked. Yeah. I, I, I think it worked. Yeah. Maybe no, a I, I think that it long, was a, but it worked. I think that it was a good idea to change the style for this scene. Yeah. Because, like, I, it, it probably would have been a really dark, creepy cartoon if they had tried to do all this more seriously. It does also differentiate it um, a little bit. Yeah. I do think it goes on for a little too long. I will say that. Um, But I see why they did it, and I think it was a good choice. Mm -hmm. But at the same time, it's a very boring part of the movie, to be honest. It kind of is. Um, Like, I appreciated what they were doing, but it wasn't the best part of the movie. Yeah. But then, on the other hand, if you take it out, the movie's a lot shorter. (laughs) So... (laughs) I don't know if there's anything else they would have done instead of it. Yeah, I don't know. I mean, maybe a better ending, I guess. Maybe. <laughs> maybe. But I don't know. Yeah. So this movie is very difficult to find nowadays. It's technically still copyrighted, but copyright owners don't seem to like really care about it. I think there might be a DVD available, but there's also a lot of bootleg DVDs available, so I can't really tell what's genuine. <laughs> 
And also, they all look like crap. So that's fun. It looks like they've been, they're from like the VHF tapes or the television tapes. Yeah. I actually did find, uh, there's somebody on on eBay, and occasionally they come up and resell this. They have the film reel of this film, as well as The Princess and the Goblin. And they Hmm. both look gorgeous. Like, this film looks so much better on film. Obviously, it still has its problems, but it's kind of a shame that we're probably not going to be able to see it that way. Mm-hmm. You know, I love this film, but it is a, a mid-tier budget production, mm-hmm. you could say. Like, it has some really great animation, but it also has some like really mid-tier, even bad animation at some points. I wonder if they were rushed during production. It, I would be interested. I got that impression just... Just yeah. from watching it, I got the impression that this was a quick production and a cheap production. Yeah, and I don't think they did anything after this either. So it might have been the last, but don't quote me on that. So if I had to choose, if, if I had that money to buy one of those reels, it would be Prince of the Goblin because it actually, that one has a lot more like artwork and artistry in it mm-hmm. um, compared to this one. But I would do both if I could, but I couldn't. I can't. I can't even do one sadness i need to get a a millionaire uh sugar parent (laughs) (laughs) yeah just just someone just be like hey i want this and they could do it for me that'd be nice everyone needs one of those (laughs) (laughs) yeah but mine would actually benefit animation history Um, of the movies i like (laughs) still (laughs) I'd also do that for the 1972 Alice if I could. Oh, yeah, yeah. And the 1949 Alice. 1949. We need a better transfer of the 1955 Hallmark one. Mm, uh, yeah. I think that's really it, to be honest. <laughs> the other one's going to rot. It's right. <laughs> oh, 1915, of course. Sorry. Oh, yeah. Yeah, that's it. The other's going to rot. <laughs> <laughs> What about 1903? Oh, that was uh, that one's as decent quality as we're gonna get. But if you're a millionaire, you could make it more decent quality. <laughs> I guess. <laughs> um, I would like to see the quote-unquote restored version on YouTube or in a higher resolution. So maybe I'd get them if I was a millionaire. I'd be like, hey, I need the higher resolution of that. But right now, it's like pretty low resolution. It was the highest YouTube could do at the time. Mm-hmm. Anyway, I'm just rambling. Um, did you uh, did you have any other points for this one? I don't think I had anything really specifically. Like I wrote my whole summary that we could have gone through, but I think we've covered enough, even though we didn't do it all in order. Like most of the yeah. stuff that I thought was interesting, we've already talked about. So yeah, fair enough. Like the main thing that stood out to me was the change of animation for the backstory. Like that was the most, I don't want to say the most interesting, but it was the thing that stood out to me the most about this version was the fact that it was such a drastic change in style. And then, mm-hmm. what, then when I figured out why, <laughs> it made sense. But the rest of it was kind of generic, but it's fine. I can see that if I had watched this as a kid, I probably would have fond memories of it. But as an adult, it was just meh. Yeah, I, I will say that about this one. It's not very... It's, this is kind of a you have to grow up with it, or at least be mm-hmm. a really big Nutcracker fan to be like, oh, wow, they attacked most of the book. <laughs> um, which I don't think there's many, very many big Nutcracker fans. Uh, I think I think people like the ballet, but more as a tradition, like going to see the ballet at Christmas, because I know there are people that do that. Other than that, I don't know that there are people who are like, oh, I just love the story, because the story is just kind of weird. <laughs> Yeah, they're just like, I'm a part of the Nutcracker Society. Um, <laughs> but anyway, I, I think I'll have fun reviewing the different versions of the Nutcracker because the, yeah. so many different versions of the story take it to so many different places. Yeah, like even more so than Alice. There's just so many completely different styles from like yeah. the weird Disney one. Like I've already done two last year, the two Disney ones, the... One from, I think, 2018, and then the one that was last year, the Hip Hop Nutcracker. That one so far, I think, is my favorite. 
<laughs> the, the, the hip hop nutcracker they have it on disney plus it's it it's it, i i really like it it had some weird choices that i would have done differently but like some of the dancing was really really cool i love the mouse king well, okay uh but it's disney it's short a- too so if you have like 45 minutes you could watch it in one uh, sitting disney has a couple more quote-unquote versions they have uh a cartoon short of Mickey and Minnie from Mickey Mouse Works or the House Mouse. Mm-hmm. Um, and I don't know if you'll do this one, but they have a live action stage show that was performed at Disneyland. They actually did air it on TV now that I think about it. I actually so have both of those on my schedule to record with, with yeah. Mickey and Katie. Because we already we did the two Disney ones. And then when I found those, I was like, well... Katie and Nikki already did the Disney ones with me. Why don't we just do these as well? So we're going to do those at once. All right. Okay. Yeah. So that was, um, that was Disneyland. So have fun with that. (laughs) Yeah. I was kind of hoping that there would be a more faithful adaptation at some point, but I don't think Disney ever did anything like super faithful. No, Disney's never done anything faithful with Nutcracker that I'm aware of. But then, you know, what is faithful? True. Nutcracker. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> well, I guess we can probably wrap this one up. Do you want to let people know where they can find you if they want more from you? Yes, I am Phantomize on YouTube. And that's it. <laughs> <laughs> okay. Well, until next time. Bye. <laughs> Thanks for listening to Every Version Ever. If you like what you've heard, make sure to subscribe on your preferred podcast platform or to our YouTube channel. Make sure to follow my co-hosts as well, and if you want more content from us, check out one of the other podcasts in the iHeartMovies Podcast Network, or check out my brand new Patreon. My link tree, as well as any other relevant links, will be in the description. We'll be back soon with another brand new episode, so thanks for listening, and we'll see you next time.